With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Hunt Palmer. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is Hunt Palmer. Welcome in. Hunt Palmer coming to you from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studio downtown in the capital city on this Monday. Hope your work week's off to a good start. Appreciate you hanging out with us here on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. You know, Live at Lunch just gave you a lot of Brian Kelly as he meets with the media up in Nash, Vegas. Going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Greg Sankey's comments to the assembled media as well. We'll give you a little preview of the Texas A&M Aggies, give you a preview of the Missouri Tigers, who LSU plays this year. T-Bob going to jump on with us from Nashville in an hour and a half at the bottom of hour number two. Got Casey Gaines and Jacob Beck back there on the ones and twos. And uh, we're off and running here. It's a little bit of a delayed start, but that's all right. We're uh, we're rolling along here on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Uh, Brian Kelly just finished chatting with uh, the, the big press room. Uh, there are a lot of different stops you make on a media day tour, uh, local TV, you got the ESPN guys, you've got, uh, a, a number of different places that you've got to hit, but the, the one that's always broadcast on television is the big ballroom with all the print media assembled. And he just got done, uh, with that. He was asked some questions about non-football things like AI and NIL and all kinds of stuff like that. He was also asked some questions about his football team. So I'll give you some of what I consider the high points here um, from Brian Kelly's chat for about 25, 30 minutes with the assembled writers. Um, One quote that he talked on the football field that piqued my interest was about his quarterback, Jaden Daniels. And I'm sure you will hear Jaden say some of these things today as he makes his rounds as well up in Nashville. But one of the things that he was talking about was the progression of Jaden Daniels as a, a passer. And he said, look, the progression we saw over the course of the year was him stepping up in the pocket and making plays from the pocket as opposed to stepping up and immediately running. And that's the one where all the fans of LSU football and all of us who pay attention to it, that's where all the bells and sirens go off. Like, he's, he, he, he quits on the play and runs too quickly. And he's got great speed, and he's got great burst, and he's very productive when he runs the ball. But the strength of LSU's offense is the talent at wide receiver. And every time he tucks the ball and runs is a time that those guys are not getting the ball down the field with a chance to make a big play. So, to me, it just kind of goes back to some of the things that we heard from Les Miles over the years. And some of the things that we're now hearing from Brian Kelly, and I, I juxtapose them against each other and say that you know, Les was reluctant to open things up and throw the football and do things differently. What drove us as, as fans and, and assembled media nuts where it was the, 
the simplicity of the offense and the the toss dive to the left and refusing to to get with the tempo and the space and all that was was coming very rapidly to college football and and the quote that Haney always goes back to and you know famous one from Les was the engine's pretty stinking good talking about Leonard Fournette and the talk you know entering that junior season of Leonard Fournette that started up in Wisconsin that ended up being the last year for for Les Miles was you, you got to throw the ball you got to open things up you've got to do things a little bit more differently. And they get up to Wisconsin, and the first three plays were handoffs to Leonard Fournette. And they didn't do anything differently. And while I think our concern is that Jaden Daniels has got to take some more chances and get the ball down the field, Brian Kelly's quotes are the opposite of what Les was saying. Like, we know. We want to do this. It's it's very much a point of emphasis in this offseason. That was obvious in Brian Kelly's comments late last year when they said, well, he didn't have any interceptions. And BK's like, yeah, he doesn't have any interceptions. But, like, is that a good thing? Does that mean we're not taking chances that we need to take and giving our players opportunities? And I go back to, like, the Florida game where LSU last year was just, I mean, clicking on all cylinders. They scored on their first six drives. And there were balls that were thrown up and given receivers a chance. And Brian Thomas goes and makes a play in the end zone. And Malik Neighbors goes and makes a play. And we know that Brian Kelly wants to see more of that. So it should give you a little comfort as a fan to hear what he's saying. Like, look, we're trying to coach this guy to step up in the pocket, not to get out of there and run, to keep his eyes down the field and make the throws. If that piece comes, and and it comes routinely, he did it at times last year, just not quite enough. But if that piece comes, LSU's offense becomes an absolute nightmare. You've got NFL guys on the offensive front. You've got studs out wide. You've got a veteran quarterback who started a ton of games, who's got great speed, and all these weapons around him. It's really difficult to manage as a defensive coordinator. You know, I listened to to Greg McElroy earlier today, and I'll get back to Brian Kelly in a second, but this kind of led me into this direction. I was listening to the SC Network earlier today. Those of you that are, are were at work and obviously can't listen to SC Media Days all day. Um, Greg McElroy said this when they were talking about LSU. He said they might have the best offensive line in the SEC. They might have the best wide receiving core in the SEC. They might have the best quarterback in the SEC. They might have the best interior defensive lineman in the SEC. And they might have the best defensive player in the SEC. That's coming from Greg McElroy. And that should carry some weight with it. He's on air every day in Alabama. He works for the SC Network. He's football 365. He's got a pretty good idea of what LSU's got. And for him to say that all those units might be the best in the league tells you kind of where this this team is. And it actually counteracts what Brian Kelly said today, which is the next quote I wanted to get to from BK. I'm sure Matt will have all this cut up later today. But Brian Kelly said today that I I wrote it down, so I don't know if it's exact, but it's pretty close because I was listening and just writing. He said, we will have a football roster that will be able to compete against Georgia. Is that right now? No, it's not. But it will be. And again, that is an odd quote because media days is sunshine and rainbows. 
Media days is possibilities and projectability and optimism. We've got a great team. This guy's going to have this year. This guy's going to break out. This is a returning start. Like, there's just not a lot of pessimism this time of year. Y'all have heard a million times me talk about the calendar in college sports, specifically college football. And for him to, again, double down on a quote that we heard from him a couple weeks ago and say pretty directly, we're not ready to compete with Georgia, surprises me. And he knows more than me. He knows more football than me, and he certainly knows his personnel better than I do. But the team looks pretty good to me. They don't have to beat Georgia 10 times. If they got to Atlanta, they'd have to beat them once. And so it's just, it's an odd message to send, in my opinion, because that's all we're doing here in media days is kind of sending messages to your players that can read that quote and say, you're not ready to beat Georgia. Now, I guess theoretically, you don't have to be ready to beat Georgia in July, and you might have to be ready to beat them in December or January. And maybe you could make the connect the dots and say when when February or when uh, December or January rolls around, now you're ready. You, you weren't ready in July when I said that. But it just, he didn't have to go that far with the quote. So it, it caught my attention for him to say, we're not ready to compete with Georgia. If Clark Lee gets up there and says that, I'll, I'll nod my head. Even if Shane Beamer wants to say that, I'll say, okay. But I don't expect to hear that from Josh Heupel or Nick Saban or Brian Kelly. I don't expect to hear that from Jimbo Fisher. But we did hear that from Brian Kelly today because he was asked about, again, the gap between Georgia and the rest of the SEC. And he said, we're not ready to beat Georgia, which I thought was was interesting. Um, the last piece that I want to touch on before I get to Greg Sankey's thoughts at, at the top of SEC Media Days was asked about Mason Smith and what he could do to help the defense. And this is a point that I've kind of harped on the last couple of weeks as we started to dip our toe into football. And this is an X and O deal, and this is something I talked about last week, but Brian Kelly said last week or last year after Mason Smith got hurt, and maybe postseason, that like, man, he just would change the way the defense works. And he he went back to that line of thinking today when he was talking to media, and he said, you know, last year we didn't have a guy in the middle that won a lot of one-on-ones. Obviously, Jaquil and Roy had a nice year. Now I'm not using Brian Kelly quotes. That was a Brian Kelly quote that we we didn't have a lot of guys in the middle that won a lot of one-on-ones. And then he said, and, th- and I would add on to that, I would say, yeah, Jaquil and Roy had a nice year, and Makai Wingo had a, a really solid, solid year that garnered some postseason recognition. But if you hear Brian Kelly talk, it's very clear he sees Nathan Smith as a cut above everybody else they've got on the defensive front. And the quote that he gave today was, Mason will win those one-on-one matchups. Which means you're going to have to put a second person in there, which means the numbers work to LSU's favor on the edges. Makes a ton of sense. But again, I'm not capable right now of going back and looking at game tape from Mason Smith's freshman year and projecting what he's going to be two years down the road, which is what it's going to be next month. But it sounds like based on what Mason Smith did in fall camp last year, 
that he's a massive dis- difference maker for the LSU defense. And BK believes that. And that's huge because you start having to divert enough attention to Mason Smith, you're not paying enough attention to Makai Wingo. You're not paying enough attention to Harold Perkins. That's where you get into a problem. So for me, with Brian Kelly today, three things that stood out. Talking about Jaden Daniels and how he's being coached to sit in there and take shots down the field. The football team not being ready to compete against Georgia, even though it looks pretty good to me. And then Mason Smith continues to draw effusive praise from the coaching staff, and it feels like that's a guy who might change the way they do things on defense, which is exciting. So lots and lots over the next four days from up there at SEC Media Days in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, T-Bob is going to join us in an hour and 15 minutes to talk about uh, what the morning and early afternoon have been like there, kind of get a vibe check. He's had a chance to talk to the LSU players, probably done some 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 hits on some other channels. It's been uh, it's always a lot of fun. There's a lot of content, and we're excited to bring as much of it as we can to you. Uh, we'll talk about Texas A&M. Give you kind of my full scouting report on the Aggies coming up at 1.30. We will talk about Missouri uh, coming up in hour number two. We do have some baseball to get to, which I told you was going to happen when I did the tease for the show on Friday because uh, LSU had a transfer portal edition and some other movings on uh, in college baseball. So we'll get to that at 2 o'clock. Still plenty to get to. Uh, come back, and we'll uh, chat about what Greg Sankey had to say on a couple of uh, big topics, including football scheduling. That's next. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. One Bath and Closets, onebathandclosets.com is the website. David Duvall and his team have been in the game for 30 years, redesigning and remodeling bathrooms and closets. If you just don't have enough space in your closet, you got shoes and suitcases, you got jackets and coats, and you don't have the room, it's just a mess. Declutter. Let David Duvall and his team come in and customize a closet for you. It'll be beautiful. It'll be functional. They'll use the cubbies and the mirrors and the shelves and the racks and all that goes into a custom closet. And the best part, they're not going to charge you to rip out your current closet or the installation cost of the new one. They're just going to charge you for the cost of that unit. That's what they'll do to listeners of the Hunt Palmer Show. So tell David Duvall when you call that you heard about him on our show. The website is onebathandclosets.com. You can check out all the testimonials. You can check out pictures of their great work, and you can request that free consultation. Doesn't cost you a penny to have David Duvall and his team come out and show you what they can do. Onebathandclosets.com. Onebathandclosets.com. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. I'm going to talk Aggies here in about 10 minutes. Give you my thoughts on uh, what Texas A&M has in store for this 2023 season. I was listening to um, Live at Lunch earlier today, and uh, Matt was on, Moscona, and he said he believes that this will be Jimbo Fisher's last year in College Station, that he'll be fired. So that's interesting. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on the Aggies in 10 minutes. But first, uh, Greg Sankey always opens SEC Media Days. Uh, He did today. Uh, with a couple of nice tributes. Of course, there was a tragic shooting uh, in a Nashville school a couple of months ago, and uh, Greg Sankey welcomed uh, five of the first responders to that incident up on the stage, and they received a standing ovation, which was very, very cool. Uh, And then Greg Sankey, who generally wears a tie to do his State of the Conference 
uh, talk up there in the uh, at media days, and he did not have a tie on today. And he said it's because I uh, recall this time last year being in Atlanta and discussing how worthless neckties were with Mike Leach. Uh, Leach famously hated wearing suits, did not want to wear ties. Um, and Sankey said as a tribute to Mike Leach, he did not wear a tie uh, to media days today. So uh, a couple of really nice uh, touches there as, as Greg Sankey started his his talk for SEC media days. And a couple of, of uh, things stood out to me. Um, one, which I don't have strong feelings toward, was the he has a, a, a strong desire for Congress to get involved in name, image, and likeness. He said it's a nonpartisan issue. We need regulation nationally. We cannot have conferences that feature 12 states and have 12 different rules and regulations for schools that are supposed to be competing on you know equal ground, and instead one you know school's got this opportunity and the other state doesn't. It's just he doesn't believe that that's the best way to go about it. And he was very very adamant about this. He he harped on it continuously. That's above my pay grade. Um, I don't spend a lot of time uh, dealing with what laws Congress is passing and who's in charge of what bill and what it should and shouldn't say. They've opened Pandora's box here from an NIL perspective, and it's just hard for me to imagine reining things in significantly. It just, you basically said, if you have the ability to make money, go do it. And it's just, it's so big, and it's such a complex issue that I, I don't have strong feelings on where that's headed or when it should head that way. But Greg Sankey certainly does. And that was, I think, the most uh, passionate plea that he gave. A couple of just newsworthy items that I, I picked up that Media Day is going to be in Dallas next year. I know that y'all don't care about that because y'all don't go to this. You just take in the content. Um, but that's obviously a hat tip to Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference uh, July 1 of next year. And two weeks later, uh, Media Days will be right there in their backyard in Dallas. So, um, Again, I, I think that Hoover does it wonderfully. Apparently, Atlanta was a little bit of eh, and I think things are going really well in Nashville. I'm sure Dallas can figure out a way to, to, to host SEC Media Days. But the other uh, question I thought that was reasonable to ask uh, and in a good spot was a, a local Nashville television reporter asked Greg Sankey if there was an opportunity for Nashville to host the SEC football championship game once they build a new stadium, which they're, they got approved. It's going to be domed. It's going to host Final Fours and um, football national championships. And obviously the SEC's got a great relationship with Nashville. The SEC baseball, a basketball tournament is there every year. And so the, the question I thought was good, like, hey, can Nashville get the SEC championship game for football? It's going to have a dome, big big city right here in the footprint. You got a good relationship with them. And Sankey pretty much put that out immediately and was like, we're focused on the, the, the greatest conference championship game in the sport in Atlanta. And basically dropped it at that. And so we talked about this yesterday, uh, last week on the show, like would I like to see the SC Championship game move around? And as you all know, if you listen to me with any sort of regularity, that the only thing I care about in terms of rule changes are how does it impact LSU? And moving it around and potentially getting it into Houston or New Orleans would be great for LSU. Nashville, not so much. But um, it just appears that the SEC is very comfortable hosting that game in Atlanta and is going to leave it there for the foreseeable future. So, you know, every time LSU gets there, Georgia's on the other side, which I guess 
theoretically can change once the divisions go away. You may see Alabama in in Atlanta, um, but either way, it's just it's just t- tough for LSU to make that trip because a lot of times when LSU goes to Atlanta, bigger goals are on the table, right? You, you go to the SC Championship in 2019, you know that you've got playoff game to travel to. Might want to save your funds for that as opposed to going to see conference championship game. Same thing applies for 07 or potentially 03. It's just, it's tougher to get to. And if there's a bigger game that's coming up the next month, you want to save your funds to get to the SEC championship game may get cut out of your plans there. Um, Doesn't really get cut out of many Georgia fans' plans. They can Uber to the game and buy tickets. So uh, it's... I thought it was a good question. I was interested in the answer, and uh, turns out that that's not something that they're uh, looking into in any way, shape, or form. The SC Championship game for the foreseeable future is going to be in Atlanta. Last topic I want to talk about with uh, with Greg Sankey uh, was he asked about realignment and further conference growth, and he kind of tap danced around any sort of firm answer. His his answer, and I quote, was, "We are a super conference. I'm focused on growth to 16." which obviously is where you get with Texas and Oklahoma. And he continued, it's not been a topic for the Southeastern Conference. Do I think it's done? People say, I get to decide that. We know who we are. We're comfortable with who we are. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm comfortable saying by the time I leave this earth, whenever that may be, that there will be more than 16 teams in the Southeastern Conference. There may not be a Southeastern Conference. There may be one entity that has Ohio State and Michigan and all those Big Ten teams and you come in and it looks like the NFL. But it's not going to stop because the money doesn't stop. And it's a consistent arms race. And the Big Ten has blown up the idea that geography is the most important factor. Money is always the most important factor. And if the SEC can bring in Notre Dame or bring in somebody from out west, whether it's Washington or Oregon or Stanford or whoever, that they believe drives television ratings in a different part of the country and creates additional dollars for the member institutions, it will be done because that's the most important thing. It's not rivalries. It's not about basketball. It's it's about money. And Greg Sankey or the next commissioner or the next commissioner is not going to sit there and take the most powerful conference in collegiate athletics and let the Big Ten run away from it. That's not going to happen. So while I think it's fine to say right now I'm not really focused on it, the fact of the matter is it's always got to be near the top of his mind. 
It's keeping up with the Joneses. And the Joneses are is the Big Ten. So um, I don't know that it, I don't think it's imminent. I just think it's coming at some point. And you could gather that from just the way things have gone in the last 10 years. Uh, but Sankey said right now, you got a super conference and we're, we're good to go. So we'll see how long that does last. That was kind of my big picture thoughts on Greg Sankey and uh, what he had to say today up in Nashville at SEC Media Days as they kick off. It'll be four days. Uh, today is LSU. Ryan Kelly's already met with the big media room. It is Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M. It is Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri. We're going to talk about Missouri a little bit in hour number two. When we come back, I just want to give you my thoughts on Texas A&M as we start to dive into football season. We'll talk Aggies next. You are listening to Hunt Palmer. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. All right, let's talk a little football here. Uh, LSU, of course, taking their turn at SEC Media Days today. Gave you my thoughts on Brian Kelly's time in the big room at the top of the show. We'll chat about Missouri, who's also going today later on in hour number two. But I want to get to Texas A&M in this segment right here. Uh, the Aggies were obviously atrocious last year. Um, I don't want to talk about the last game they played even though we will briefly, uh, but they were terrible last year. They were five and seven. And that is year five of the Jimbo Fisher era. It was kind of the perfect storm. They had injuries at quarterback. Haynes King was hurt. Max Johnson was hurt. They lose Anaya Smith. They had some issues with the freshmen, suspensions and whatnot, and they played poorly. And that all boiled together for five and seven. They lost to Appalachian State, 17 to 14. And they lost five games by six or fewer. They lose a four-point game to Alabama where they have the ball and a chance to make a play at the last, they're inside the five-yard line. Chance to win that game, they don't. Go to South Carolina, get beat by six. Play Ole Miss in college, in college station, they lose the game by three. They go to Auburn. If you'll remember, Auburn had already fired Brian Harson. They gave Cadillac Williams the interim tag for that the last few games, and that was the first one. Auburn sold the place out, and they played really well on defense. And AM's offense was anemic, and Auburn won a 13 to 10 game. And they looked really sluggish in a win over UMass, and then they crushed LSU somehow in the only game all year where they scored 38 points or more. Um, look, Jimbo has been there for five years. In that span, they have gone 39-21. and 21. In SEC play, they are a 23-18 and 18 program under Jimbo Fisher. 23-18. and 18. The offense was the problem last year. The defense wasn't great, but the offense was atrocious. They were 101st in the country in scoring offense last year. I mean, 14 points on App State, 10 points on Auburn. They only scored 30 points twice. One was on Sam Houston who's an FCS school, and one was against LSU in the last game of the year where they just ran it down LSU's throats. So, Haynes King's gone. He transferred out. Devon A-Chain is gone. He's taken his talents to the NFL. So, those two guys who were a lot of what they did last year have moved on, but there is a lot of talent on the A&M offense. 
Connor Wigman is a talent. I mean, he's 6'2", he's 215 pounds, he's got a big arm, he runs pretty well. And all that stuff is very easy to, to see. You can turn on a highlight tape from high school and, and tell that he's got the physical attributes. What impressed me about Connor Wigman last year as a freshman was his ability not to make the big mistake. If you go back and look at his numbers against LSU, they weren't jaw-dropping. I thought, just blindly, if you ask me today, okay, what were Wigman's numbers in that game against LSU? I think I would tell you he probably went 20 of 27 for 270 and two touchdowns. It wasn't that good. He was 12 of 18 for 155 yards in that game. Two touchdowns and no picks. He threw eight touchdown passes last year. He did not throw an interception. There were times where LSU went after him in that game, and he just made good decisions. And that impressed me. A lot of times, there are plenty of high school quarterbacks who are four or five stars who have good athleticism and big arms and all the measurables, and you throw blitzes at them or you disguise coverages or you get in front of a loud stadium or you get a little pass rush, and they make the horrendous mistake. And Wigman just didn't do that. And that's what impressed me about him. And... He's got a lot of guys to get the ball to. Anaya Smith decided to come back after the injury. He's really explosive. Evan Stewart was a star last year as a freshman. He was a five-star, one of the best receivers in the class, and he showed out. was great. And then you've got Moose Muhammad, who's also awesome, made the one-handed catch against LSU. They've got guys. The problem is they didn't block a lick last year. You've got a lot of those guys back, and they've gotten a year older, but that's going to be really the question. I mean, Bobby Petrino can come in and put in some new things, and they can try to be a little more creative than what Jimbo was putting out there the last few years. But if you can't block, you just have no chance. And A&M could not block last year except for the LSU game, which just made no sense. I Maybe it was my fault. I did the Aggie thing on the Friday. Video got a lot of hits. And maybe that was the reason why, why A&M could block LSU and nobody else. They couldn't block UMass the week before that, but they blocked LSU. That's the, the question. I don't really care who the running back is. It might be Le'Veon Moss, Louisiana kid. might be Amari Daniels. might be the five-star Reuben Owens. They've got a fine running backs. They've got elite-level skill players, and they've got some good tight ends as well. And I think their quarterback's good. I think the offense has a chance to be real solid this year for a The defense wasn't very good last year either. They led the nation in pass defense, which you go, oh, that's pretty good. Well, there's a reason for that. Because they were the worst run defense I may have ever seen in the SEC. They were 123rd in the country against the run. Listen to some of these numbers A&M gave up against the run last year. Arkansas ran for 244. Bama ran for 288. Auburn ran for 270. Florida ran for 291. And that all paled in comparison 
to the Ole Miss Rebels, who ran for 390 yards on Texas A&M last year. Now, they were counting on a lot of freshmen to play a defensive front last year. And those guys are a year older. Shamar Stewart, former five-star. Shamar Turner, former five-star. Walter Nolan, former five-star. That's where A&M's got to get better, is, is stopping the run. They, they could not stop anyone from running the ball. 390 yards against Ole Miss, come on. That's pathetic. No wonder you were number one in the nation in pass defense. They were running wind sprints from the backfield on you. So, they've got to get better on both lines of scrimmage. That's the key for A&M. If they can be better at both lines of scrimmage, they have enough talent to win games. The schedule is challenging, I would say, as you would imagine. But you step out of conference to play Miami in week two, who's not great, but, you know, it's, it's not Rice. And you got to go there. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That game against Arkansas and Arlington seems to be always close and always full of drama. Finally, Arkansas got the monkey off their back last year and beat them. Thanks to that flukish play. Um, Bama's in College Station, but I'm not going to pick them to beat Bama. And their 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 East draw is tough. They're at Tennessee. That's going to be a tough game for them to win. I just I, I wonder if A and M can keep up with Tennessee. I don't think Joe Milton's as good as Hinton Hooker or even close, really. But I do think that that Tennessee offense is going to score points. And do I trust A and M to get out of neutral and go score with these guys? I don't know. And they're at Ole Miss. They're at LSU. And They've had trouble with the Mississippi schools at a and They just have. In the last six years, they're just 6-6 six and six against Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We're not talking about Georgia and Bama here. We're talking about the Mississippi schools. And a and had trouble getting over the hump and beating them. So, it's going to be a fascinating fall with the A&M football program. Matt's already told you where he stands. I'm sure he's going to give you more of this one after further review later today. But you got to wonder where the threshold is for Jimbo. I got to think eight and four, you're safe. Nine and three, certainly. 10 and two, absolutely. 11 and one, they're doing backflips. But you start to think about seven and five, which is very doable. And you wonder if the brass in College Station are willing to deal with that. My gut tells me probably not. Like I'm with Matt there. So I'll, I'll go through their schedule game by game and we'll see kind of what I think preliminarily. But you open with New Mexico and you get a win there. And then you go to Miami and I think they'll win that game. They should be better than Miami. 
So I got them at 2-0. and Then they play ULM. I got them at 3-0. and They host Auburn. I've got them 4-0 and there. I don't think Auburn's going to be great. They play Arkansas. I would probably favor the Hogs there. For the sake of the discussion, let's get to a Let's go A&M and give them 5-0. and Alabama in Kyle Field, 5-1. and one. At Tennessee, 5-2. and two. Then they welcome South Carolina in that all-important cross-divisional permanent matchup that we all look forward to so much. With South Carolina, I think they win that game. That gets them to 6-2. and two. At Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss wins that game. So that's 6-3. and three. They beat Mississippi State, and they beat Abilene Christian to go to 8-3. and three. And then you come to Baton Rouge, and maybe LSU puts the death knell in the Jimbo era. It's it's possible. I mean, certainly if they come in there with five losses, that would be it. Four losses, we'll see. Three losses, I think he's okay. But if they came to Baton Rouge at seven and four, you could theoretically finish off the Jimbo era, I think. I just don't believe the Texas A&M with the commitment to win that they have put forward, with all the fundraising, the stadium, the football facility, the other football facility, the coaching staff, the NIL, all that investment is simply not going to allow Jimbo Fisher in his sixth year to lose five games. That's just, I don't care. It's it's north of $70 million if they were to buy him out. And I think they would do it. But right now, Jimbo and the crew at College Station, they're thinking about winning the West. That's probably... I'm, I'm curious to hear. I'm sure Matt will have guests on. Excuse me, I'm fighting a little bit today. Um, but I, I'm sure Matt will have guests on from the Texax crew and, and whatnot. And they'll, they'll, they'll have a better pulse of what they think's going on than, than certainly I do here. But it makes a lot of sense. We'll see what that result may be. That's a look at the Texas A&M Aggies. We'll chat about uh, Missouri in hour number two. T-Bob Aver is going to join us from Nashville. Thanks to Hudco Roofing, the folks at Rev Business as well, for uh, for making our coverage from SEC Media Days possible. Um, when we come back, we'll close out hour number one next. You're listening to Hunt Palmer. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Hudco Roofing is bringing you live coverage of the 2023 SEC Football Media Days. Today through Thursday, you can find highlights from the week on the 104.5 ESPN YouTube channel. Our coverage also brought to you locally by Rev Business and Relief Windows. All week long, uh, T-Bob and Jacob will be on Radio Row from 7 to 10 a.m. for Off the Bench, and Matt will be in the same chair on After Further View. From three to six, we will chat with T-Bob at the bottom of hour number two. Uh, LSU's time just about wrapping up up there at Media Days. And uh, they're up there with A&M and Missouri for day one. Jimbo Fisher just went up to the podium and said howdy. That's a, one of the cool things A&M does is say howdy all the time. Um, I don't mind the thumbs up. I think that's cool. I think the Aggie Warham is awesome. I think their band is fantastic. Uh I think that saying howdy is dumb, and I think the bubbles they do in baseball games are dumb. But again, I'm the foremost authority 
on all SEC traditions. I determine what's awesome and what stinks, and Howdy is dumb. But uh, Jimbo Fisher is chatting with the media up there. I'm curious what his answers will be and how direct the questions are going to be about his relationship with Bobby Petrino and what he expects. Um, I think this is an opportunity for some more pointed questions. You're not going to get as much of that in the local media. It's going to be a little bit softer uh, around the edges there. Um, here, they can they can tee it up. And I think it's as direct as like, all right, well, who's calling the plays and what's your input on that? Because there's no doubt in my mind we went back to, I was talking about the Brian Kelly comment about what Jaden Daniels needs to do. And I, I mentioned Les Miles saying the engine's pretty stinking good and believing in what he believes in. And there's no doubt in my mind, not one, that Jimbo believes the best person to call plays for Texas A&M is Jimbo. There's no doubt in my mind. But the results are very difficult to argue with when you look at what they did last year and not being able to move the football, scoring touchdowns on only 20% of their drives, which was worse than the SEC. Like, they were just awful. And I think he would say, look, we just didn't execute. We got to execute it better. Got to throw it. We got to catch it. We got to block it. And that's what he would say. And that's the same thing Les would say. The plays are fine. You just got to execute it. But the fact of the matter is that that's not true. Certainly, if you execute every play perfectly, you're going to do well, but no one does that. It's about putting your players in the most advantageous positions and lining up with a couple tight ends and a bad offensive line and trying to run the football and work off play action and go slow is not the best way for that team to succeed. And I don't know how high flying Bobby Petrino plans on being. It was pretty good in 2011. I don't know how good it is in 2023. It's been in the FCS for a while. So that's a huge storyline and I'm curious what Jimbo's comments are going to be on that matter I have no doubt that at some point it'll come up and I'm, I'll, I'll figure it out and we'll get to it in, the, in hour number two and we'll certainly get T-Bob's thoughts on it but that's that's probably the most interesting storyline surrounding Jimbo Fisher's time at the podium which is going on right now and we'll get you some quotes on that uh, as we move forward uh, in the show today appreciate you spending uh, your Monday with us here on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge hope your work week's off to a good start hour number one is in the books open the show uh, giving you some of my thoughts on Brian Kelly's time up at SDC Media Days in the big print room. Uh, thoughts on Jaden Daniels. Thoughts on Mason Smith. Uh, thoughts on his roster and where it stands with Georgia. If you missed any of that, you can always catch it uh, on demand, 1045ESPN.com's on demand page, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or over on YouTube. Um, YouTube, Hunt on LSU, Hunt on Saints. Two different channels that we're working towards here. Uh, if you could uh, subscribe to those, we would certainly appreciate it. Get your football content right to your fingertips. We touched on Texas A&M, touched on Greg Sankey's uh, comments to open up media days as well. we got plenty to do in hour number two as well. We'll have uh, some thoughts on Missouri coming up at 2.15. We'll have T-Bob from Nashville at 2.30. Uh, and I'm going to start hour number two. I told you I was going to do this in the uh, promo, if you heard that all weekend long. Uh, LSU did get a baseball commitment uh, over the weekend, actually on Friday, right after my show ended. Uh, I want to give you my thoughts on that. There has been some movement in the transfer portal regarding some players that LSU was reportedly linked to. So I've got some baseball thoughts coming up uh, at the top of hour number two. I know we're into football. That's okay. We're going to tiptoe into baseball briefly to kick off uh, hour number two before we get to Missouri and T-Bob. So don't go anywhere. We're going to take a break for Sports Center. We will be right back. 
You're listening to the Capital City's Leader in Sports Talk. It's the Hunt Palmer Show on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.